When you wake up in the morning and check your phone, does it feel like this or like this? Because with Shopify, your morning can feel like this way more often. That's the sound of a sale being made on your new Shopify store. And while client payments may require weeks or months of work, you can start generating a semi-passive income to grow your business by setting up a Shopify store all of your own. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. Whether you're selling your latest designs on shirts or bags or adding something totally different to your business, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. You can sell online, you can sell in person, wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. With Shopify, you can set up your store in minutes and start selling immediately. And Shopify's award-winning support is there to help you as you go. Sign up for a $1 per month trial at shopify.com slash freelance. That's all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash freelance to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash freelance or click the link in our show description and start waking up to this. Whether you want to travel more or communicate better with international clients, you need to try Babbel. I've used Babbel's courses and you can do the same in order to learn real life conversation skills in a different language. Order food, ask for directions, or speak to clients without having to use translation apps. Right now, get 60% off your Babbel subscription. This is only for our listeners at babbel.com slash freelance. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash freelance, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L.com slash freelance. Rules and restrictions apply. I'm Brandon Hull, and it's time for Freelance to Founder. I was freelancing this whole time, like underground, on the side, you know, burning the candle at both ends. By this point, I was like, I started out with a $500 websites, and then I started like regularly booking $2,000, $3,000 websites, and, and I'm doing this from like 10 p.m. to midnight, you know, every night sort of thing. And so I'm like doubling down on our income. I'm like, okay, well, my job is good. And it looks like I'm doing the right thing. But it's like, this is where like, you know, I just got paid. I just made more money than my salary, you know, in, in two weeks doing that. Like, that's exciting. For Milo, you're listening to the Freelance to Founder podcast, a show where I talk to men and women like Brad Hussey, that man you just heard. They're service providers, marketing agency owners, online course builders, authors, bloggers, product creators, software developers, and sometimes even other podcasters. We don't just talk how-tos, though. I introduce you to my guests in a way where you genuinely get to know them, why they're doing what they're doing, how they pivoted to what they're doing today, and how they scaled things beyond themselves. Your reward for hanging on to the end of this episode is a tremendous three-in-one segment. Brad comes in strong with one principle, one habit, and one person that have been instrumental in his life for success. You've got to hear them. I love all my guests, genuinely, but what makes this one special is Brad's humility. We've got an immensely talented web designer, a former aspiring Broadway stage performer who, as he puts it, tripped upon successes. I would make the argument that seeing opportunities for success when they present themselves is a success trait all by itself. But what's valuable to you as a lesson from Brad in this episode is how he sees the moment when someone pointed out a path that he should follow, namely his wife. You will hear in this episode how he got started with freelancing. You'll hear how Brad talked his way out of his full-time job so he could dedicate more time to his family and make more money. 
You'll learn his barbecue method for developing relationships and growing his business. And you'll get all the ins and outs of how he built a 400,000 student following on Udemy and made a massive amount of money in the process. And finally, you'll learn why and how he came to start freelancingfreedom.com. This episode is chock full of the inspirational and the practical. And without further delay, I bring you Brad Hussey. Mr. Brad Hussey, it's an honor and a pleasure to have you on. Thank you so much for joining me today. Oh, thank you, Brandon. It's a pleasure to be here. I appreciate you inviting me. So uh, let's, we've got a lot of ground that we can cover. I feel like the work that you've done privately as a freelancer, the work that you've done through Udemy as, a, as an instructor is extraordinary. And I think there's a lot of people who probably love to turn their knowledge into courses and not just courses on their own site, but on sites like a Udemy. Um, there, there's there's, there's a, a variety of different things that I feel like we can cover, but why don't you sort of level set and start us off by talking about what the business is today, like where you're at as a business. You've been doing this now for about seven or eight years, seven years. Um, tell us where the business is at today so you can kind of set the tone uh, for where things are at. And we'll go back in time to find out how you got to where you're at. Cool. All right. I like that. So uh, where I'm at today, literally as of today, um, I'm, I'm starting to hone in more on my, my message, what I do, who I do it for, and it's starting to become more and more clear. Uh, so I like to say that I help creators, coders, and consultants start service-based businesses using the tools and the technology that we have today. So I'm all about helping service-based business owners, people who have service. I'm all about service. How do you serve somebody? And um, that's, you know, with clients, whether in person or online, something that you can do to serve them. And that was born out of being a web designer myself, and we can get into that afterwards. Um, But I like to help these creators so that's, you know, designers, writers, these types of people, people who are creative type coders. So those are those very programmatic developer types, people who are really uncertain about their confidence, but they're super talented and skilled and consultants, coaches, people who have information to share and they just don't know how to do it. So how do I take those people, help them spread their message, grow their service-based businesses, but then using the tools and tech that we have today. So service at scale. So I have a course out there called Freelancing Freedom, or it's a website rather with a series of courses. And it's meant to do exactly that. Help these people start, grow, and scale their businesses that are service-based. So what's cool about this is you you have lived the life for a number of years. Uh, you didn't just dive right in seeing an opportunity to sell a service that teaches people how to sell their service uh, to freelancers. You lived this life for a while. So the business today is about providing uh, products and education to the freelance community on how they can sort of systematize their businesses a little bit more successfully, right? Uh, Maybe package them a little bit more successfully, uh, create the communications messaging around that. And it, it, if people are not familiar with you, the way you serve them, besides the free content offerings, is through the courses, obviously. But can you add a little color to the revenue sources for you personally as a business? Yeah. So like a breakdown of like where things come from and, you know, where, okay, cool. Um, and let's start with today um, because it's kind of organically morphed throughout the years. But if we're going, keeping it relevant to, to this today, um, we're looking at... Um, 
online courses and products are probably about 80% of the revenue breakdown. And so those are, you know, if we want to use a fun buzzword, it's always exciting for people, passive, that that income is passive. I can expect if I just stop doing everything right now, um, you know, I could expect that income to keep happening probably for 12 months with, you know, not too much of a downturn, you know, until, you know, it started to be obviously ignored. Um, it stays up and it grows because I'm active in it. It's very like I work every day for a, you know, standard seven to nine hours on a busy day so that I can make sure that that keeps going into the future and it gets better and better. And I serve my customers. I could easily leave them alone, but I don't, I probably give away too much than I need to, but that's what I have been doing. Um, and so 80% online courses and products that are in a passive sort of framework, um, probably about 15%. So we're looking now at the, the almost the rest of it is affiliate revenue sources. So promoting other people's products, services, and software, advertising revenue from, from, from you like YouTube. I have a sizable YouTube channel, um, from tutorials and things like that. And by no means, if I just like turn everything off and just try to rely on ad revenue and affiliate revenue, I'd, I'd be hurting pretty bad, but it's like a, it's a nice little bridge. It's a nice little perk, you know? Um, and, uh, miscellaneous you know, if I do a one-off pitch or, you know, joint venture thing, you know, those are miscellaneous things. And then the 5% at this point would be what's remaining would be me doing actual one-to-one client-based marketing consulting work. Um, and that that's the breakdown today. The non-scalable work would be that remaining the non-scalable. Oh yeah. The very much one-to-one type work. So I don't want to dive too much into the weeds right out of the gates because I want to get the people to get the full picture of the whole story, how you arrived at where you're at today. But just just real quickly, I think where you're at is where a lot of people would love to be as content creators, where some of the stuff that they do is on autopilot. And I don't mean indefinitely auto on pilot, autopilot, it, but it is on autopilot for the you know a, a short period of time, a midterm, a short term, right? while they're working on product services and uh, coaching programs that they can develop and launch and so forth. But um, you have it you have it pretty well squared away where it is on autopilot in some ways. Again, not that you don't need to tend to it, of course, not that your customers don't deserve that. Um, how long would you say it, 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 it took you to go from doing the one-on-one work, whether that's mentoring, coaching, uh, actual freelance work yourself, helping, you know, doing your own work um, to flipping it to where so much of it can be quote unquote passive. We all know it's not passive, but uh, has it taken you, did it take you five years to get there? Did it take you three years and you've been kind of tweaking and and evolving? How can you describe how that evolution has happened? Uh, very organically um, by tripping into opportunities. It's easy to go back and be like, oh, I designed this whole process. I was so intentional here. I think for me, like by the grace of God and me just like tripping into opportunities and having the eyes open to see it as let's give this a try. The, for me, that's like um, my story. And so I use that to show my students and people that I try to serve and help. You don't need to just like, you know, trip into opportunities. You can actually be intentional. And if I were to restart or start like a brand new business from a zero, I wouldn't just like be like, okay, let's try and trip into different opportunities with some eyes wide open. 
what would be an example of that, of tripping upon an opportunity? <laughs> I mean, I'm all for being opportunistic and, and recognizing when doors open to you, but what's an example in your life where when a door just opened and you just busted through because you saw it? Okay, let's. Uh, we're going to go back here to just two moments, two pivotal moments. No, I'm going to say three. There's three pivotal moments that um, are heavily influenced, if not because of uh, my wife. So at the very beginning, now I know we like, we're going to work backwards here, sure. but like at this point, I think I got to pull a little bit from All there. Right. I was in school uh, out in Vancouver, uh, going basically to become a web designer, interactive design program, learning how to be, you know, a creative, a coder. How do I build websites? How do I market? All those things. I had known nothing. I knew nothing about web design other than I really like computers. And so I get there, we start learning basic HTML and CSS. And then I'm going, this is amazing. Well, I just started, uh, tools started things started flying around in my head and going, imagine the possibilities. And just the, the classes in the school wasn't work, moving fast enough for me. Mm -hmm. And so I started outside of school, building my own projects and practicing and getting better and better and dreaming in code, if you will. And then there was an opportunity. So tripping into this, uh, where I was getting so good at it, obsessing over it, that I was at a Christmas party, uh, my, my wife's works Christmas party. And so I was sitting there this there was this uh, person who was there who she works with, and she said, "We're starting up a chiropractic practice in the area, and I don't know, like I just kind of, you know, I don't really know how to get it started. I think we need a website, or, and I I knew that that was like an opportunity for me to say something, but I was nervous about it. I was like, I'm not good enough to do that. Yeah, there's no way. Like I I don't even know other ways to build websites. I'm just I'm a rookie here. I'm just passionate about it. And my wife was like. Brad's a web designer. He actually knows how to build websites. He's going to school for it right now. You guys should talk. She threw me into it. And they were like, and so their eyes lit up. They go, oh my gosh, really? Seriously? And so I go, okay. This is a moment where, you know, she'd like kick me under the table and be like, come on, let's smart go, honey. Do step up. Let's this. go. Yeah. This is your moment. Yeah. And so that was me going, yeah, yeah, sure. I can do that. Absolutely. And they, what they wanted was very basic, but like 20 times more than I knew how to deliver. But I said yes, and it was my first paying client. And it like after that, every client was a paid client and it only ever grew. So it was like this tripping into this moment over a couple beer, sort of. I didn't strategically go out and hunt for a prospect and onboard them or any of that. It was just like, okay, there's an opportunity. And then that opened up a whole bunch of doors. So that's the first kind of tripping in. Well, before moment. you even get into the the other couple couple tripping in, then yeah. so since we went back in time, let's stay there for a minute. <laughs> okay. Um, it sounds to me like while you were going through school to do this very thing, mm -hmm. it hadn't occurred to you apparently that you were going to do it for yourself, that you were going to be self-employed or something. Did you just imagine that you were going to be working for an agency or maybe you do a little bit of freelance work at some point, or did you not really think too much about how you were going to use this? You just liked the skill, or you liked the discipline. It was, it was very much for the reason of at the end of year two, which is when it completed, that I would get the internship, which was guaranteed at the end of the program. And I would work there as a salaried employee at some, you know, Vancouver high rise tech, you know, or gaming company or something like that. That was the plan. Uh, and so month two, that plan started to change. Um, <laughs> That's fast. And I just, I just, yeah, it was already, I was like, whoa. In the very least, I think I can get some clients on the side. And, you know, like Laura was working to put me through school. And I was like, well, this is my way of contributing, or at least maybe I could pay the groceries, you know? And so that's like how it started out. And, and little did I know that was me planting the seed and going, you were meant to do 
start your own thing. It it sounds like though you were you were otherwise content with being an employee at an agency that offered this service and you be the specialist, the expert that used your creative skills to make something happen, to create something for a client. It doesn't sound like though it had occurred to you that these are the skills I'll learn and I'll go do it for myself. Tell me about that wiring because many of the people that we talk to have that in mind as well, where they, they're going to work for a company. They're going to follow the tradition, what I would call the traditional route. Yep. And then they have some sort of crossroads moment where either an opportunity is so large that they have to pursue it, which requires them to be self-employed, or yeah. they they realize that being in a quote-unquote corporate environment, and that corporate environment doesn't have to be thousands of employees, but they just have to be surrounded by so many people that they have to collaborate with, that they realize this is just not the kind of work environment I'm going to do my best stuff in. Was it? Yeah. What was your situation? Why, why did you feel like you needed to ultimately break off on your own? Versus just yeah. continue down that path of working for somebody else doing exactly this kind of work. Yeah, cool. Um, so I'm going through this program, still getting clients. I have invoices from every other month. Basically, I look back in my old folders and stuff. I have invoices I manually sent out probably every single every other month to clients all throughout school. So I'm like, okay, I'm heavily doing this on the side in addition to school and projects and then eventually the internship. And so the internship happens. It's the last month of school. Uh, I'm at the internship and it's at this big market research firm. Mm -hmm. It's like internationally renowned. So, so like on paper, you're like, whoa, proud to show your parents type right, of job. Right. But uh, I was there and it was like, even though it was so perfectly designed, you know, we've got like, you know, stand up scrums. We've got over here, we've got this meeting room. We've got the games room. We've got this. We've got like super mini version of like you know, if you were to go to like a Google campus or sure. something and they really treat their employees right. well, just think like a really small version of that. So the seriously, the like, dream environment for many people, yeah. right? Yeah. And you're looking at people there, probably the, the executives, senior levels, you know, they're making, you know, six figures, hundred, two hundred thousand $200,000 a year, you know, probably outside of the scope of where I thought I could get. But, you know, I was like, even just the developers here are probably making like 75 K and benefits and all the stuff. Um, and so I was there and I was like, I don't, I don't like it. I, I don't like this. I don't know. Maybe it's just the wrong fit. Maybe I need like, maybe I need to work at like a really cool, like edgy gaming studio where everyone's like super rad or something. <laughs> and so I don't know. I was, so someone in the, in the class, they on LinkedIn in our private group for the, for the school, uh, the class he said, how's your internship going to, to everyone? And um, some people were like, it's amazing. What a great opportunity. I'm super grateful. Other people, oh, not the right fit. And then my answer was like this classic Brad um, was just like, you know what? First of all, I'm going to get it out of the way. I'm grateful to be in this position. How cool is that? I'm learning from a bunch of cool people. Uh, that's awesome. But I can't help, like I can't stop thinking that there's got to be something more for me. There's going to be something different for mm -hmm. me rather. And I feel like I could do something myself. I have no idea what that is. Maybe it's like start up a little company. Maybe it's freelance more. Maybe it's like, you know, create the next big app store thing or something. But it's, it's, I don't know if I'm cut out for this nine to five, let, let somebody else determine how I make my living and, and all this, like all these rules and stuff that I'm supposed to follow to build somebody else's business. I was like, somebody worked really hard to build that business. And though I don't want to build this massive international corporation, I just feel like maybe I could build something myself. And 
And then they were like, well, that's really cool. How neat. I used to work for myself and it was so terrible. I'm glad I work for somebody else now. And so I was like, okay, like it didn't land and inspire the masses right, or right. anything like that. It didn't stir you any know? souls necessarily, which, <laughs> no, which is, which is but, funny because I, I surely a certain percentage of the people that were there were feeling like they were there to build their own personal private portfolio too. But the fact yeah. that it didn't, that it didn't, re- it landed like a thud is, uh, is pretty funny. It, Pretty much. Yeah. There's people who just kind of said, oh, that's good. Good of you. But you know, like you're, you're 20 years old and you're naive. And, um, I, you know, I worked for myself for five years or 10 years and what a pain in the ass. Not, that was. not all you it's know, cracked up to be. Yeah. Yeah. And so I, you know, I p- partly was a little bit discouraged and other part, I was like, ah, they just don't get me. Uh, <laughs> and so, um, that for me was like a seed planting moment. Now, by no means did everything change then. I then went and moved uh, east from there. So we were in Vancouver. We moved to Calgary. We were in big city. And I, I worked at a, at a studio. I worked at a boutique design agency. Only about eight to 10 people at the time when they had a lot of people there. That was the biggest that they kind of got when I was there. And what year was this, by the way? What year are we in right now? To the, so I graduated uh, the program 2011. Uh, got, that, got that job in fall 2011. And I kept it for one year. And that was the only time I worked for somebody else as a, with this new skill that I acquired at school. I went and got that job and it was supposed to be like, okay, I did this corporate big thing in the big, big city where it's all cool. And in, in like the tech hub of Canada, you know, now I'm kind of more in the West. I'm in kind of this prairie right. city, you know, right. it's a little bit more laid back. So it was like, you know, I'm building really cool stuff. Like I could see websites that I built for uh, businesses in Calgary and throughout the world and they still use the websites. And I'm like, that's amazing. My code is, is behind what it is that people use. And so I, it's exciting, but I was working, you know, the standard eight to nine hours, the, the commute, there was an hour, the commute there was back was an hour. There were accidents left, right and center because of the congestion and my wife was always nervous that I was just going to get in a car accident and not come back one day. We were very, we're very close. And, and, and we just kind of always had this almost like innocent sounding, like, I just always want to be together. Like, you know, I don't want to have to go off to some job. I just feel like there's gotta be a way where we could just always be together. That's pretty touching, Brad. <laughs> I know. So, so sentimental of me, but, but that's like, <laughs> we've always kind of had that and it's, we still do. Um, hence I work from home with my kids and I'm just here in my studio. My kids are upstairs. And so that was true. It was true to my heart. And at the, at the time, I think people might've thought like, oh, it's just, you know, once you get married or whatever, you're probably going to want to have a bit more space or something. For me, it was never true. And me going away and being like, doing this, I'm, I'm really working hard for this modest $30,000 a year job. That was a dream job essentially, but I was starting at the bottom. There was not much room to grow developers in Calgary and, and, you know, in Western Canada don't really get paid that much. And so I didn't really have a lot to look forward to, but if I did want to look forward to it and I worked hard to get myself up to $40,000 a year within that one year time frame, it, what was required of me was more time and more commitment. And I already feel like I was being stretched thin. And I was like, if I want to provide for my, for my family and for my eventual like kids, um, I'm gonna have to be away from them a lot. And then, uh, and so I didn't, as memory serves, did your wife not then tell you that she got pregnant? That she that she didn't get pregnant? But she, she, I framed that wrong. <laughs> that she was pregnant. She, yes, that's right. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah, exactly, exactly. So I was freelancing this whole time, like underground on the side, 
you know, burning the candle at both ends. By this point, I was like, I started out with a $500 websites and then I started like regularly booking $2,000, $3,000 websites and, th- and just on the side. And I'm doing this from like 10 PM to midnight, you know, every night sort of thing. And so I'm like doubling down on our income. I'm like, okay, well, my job is good. And I get this, that, and the other thing. And it looks like I'm doing the right thing, but it's like, this is where like, you know, I just got paid. I just made more money than my salary, you know, in, in two weeks doing that. Like, that's exciting got to the point where I was back to back, like working all day, a little bit of time with my wife and then a little bit of uh, freelancing. So it was just like sandwiching in a little bit of personal time with just working. Uh, and then Laura and I found out, oh, we're going to have a baby. Um, so for me, it was like, what do we do? I, I need to make more money. That means I need to be away from you guys or I need to stop freelancing. I can't just sandwich in like a growing family. I don't work so that I can sometimes see my family. Like I work so I can support my family, not the other way around. My family supports my working. So there was like a crossroads there. It was like, okay, what well, something's got to give. And I've always been this like huge um, dreamer, but not just I daydream and then just go back, put my head down. I dream and I'm like, I'm going to figure that out. Whatever I do, I'm going to figure that out. And my, I got to figure that out was when um it was laura again so this is that second moment of like tripping into okay so we found out we're pregnant you trip into that sort of thing and then laura was going to school to become a midwife she decided that it wasn't her calling and she wanted to pursue photography she comes home one day in the evening i'm freelancing at the kitchen counter and uh, very humble beginnings. And um, she was like, I can't, I, I watched this documentary about the um, the people on the the flight, the Hudson flight that went into the, into the river, in the Hudson River in New York, and everyone survived. The stories that came out of that, people basically said, hey, I got a second chance at life. And a lot of them turned their lives upside, lives upside down so that they could be like, I wasn't meant for what I was doing before. But now I realized when I thought that I, that was, this was it. I realized if I had a second chance, I would do things very differently. And so those people, a lot of those people, in the very least, were much more open and and realizing what they had. Other people completely said, I'm doing it all wrong. It's not what I meant for. And so she, and then she, she concluded by saying, I realize that I'm not doing what it is I was meant to be doing. And if you knew that this was like you were going to die soon, is what you're doing right now what you meant what you're meant to be doing what you're being called to do or what you know what's what's right and she said and for me it's not and but like she was just speaking she's basically taking the words out of my mouth and i was going yeah i agree for me <laughs> she, she's she's saying this for her and you're thinking that makes two of yes, us sweetheart. exactly so we're <laughs> i feel the same exactly. way so so she then she goes you know what okay i'm gonna finish the semester i'm gonna do the right thing finish the semester and I'm going to make an exit and then start being a photographer, which she did. And so I saw that and I went, okay, well, I got, we're having a baby soon. So what does this mean? I want to be with you guys most of the time. And I, how can I provide for you? By working on my own thing that I've always wanted to do. And it's already in place. I've been doing this for years on the side, just as a second kind of afterthought. Now it's time to focus on it. If I can make $30,000 which was $10,000 less than my salary, then I think we can make that work. And so we 
we got to work on that. I let my boss know, hey, my wife is pregnant and she wants to move out of Calgary to us to where her family is. And um, but obviously I can't work here by doing that. I can't, I can't, you know, be here and have, drive a few hours to come to come work here. So here's what I suggest. I will continue to work for you on a contract basis. So let's say you're like a client of mine and I freelance for you. I'll do the exact same jobs, the exact same responsibilities. You get my number one, you're my number one priority until you can replace me. If that's two months, great. If that's a year, perfect. I'm there. You're my priority, but we got to do it on a contract basis and I will do it from home. And they, I was expecting them to go get the hell out of here. Like you've been here for not even a year and you're already trying to cut and run. <laughs> so you're, you're trying to create a whole new uh, posh situation exactly. for yourself, and you're well insulated, right, from any any exactly. risk. Exactly, and and they said, "Well, congratulations!" And hell yeah, that sounds amazing. Go do that, and that was like my permission to go. All right, well, this is good, and now I have instead of burning a bridge with the employer that I just wasn't connecting with, I could serve them, help them through the the problem that I created for them bridge them through to getting somebody else. And in that bridge of, I think it was about eight months, I was constantly getting work from them week in, week out. They wanted it fast and I would charge my freelance rates. So I, I made way more working for them as a freelancer than I ever would have in, in that year time frame or that eight month time frame as a salaried employee having to do all that. Have you ever noticed that many of the problems people calling with on this show can be solved by hiring someone? Sometimes you need a full-fledged team, other times maybe just a simple assistant or an expert in something you're not great at. Whatever your reason for hiring, we recommend you take a look at LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn isn't just another job board. As you may know already, LinkedIn has a vast network of more than a billion professionals, which makes it the best place to hire. It gives you access to professionals you can't find anywhere else. And LinkedIn Jobs makes the process of finding the perfect teammate easy and intuitive. Hiring is always easy when you have access to so many quality candidates. So easy, in fact, that 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours when using LinkedIn Jobs. I've used it myself, and it was so simple. In fact, I've made multiple hires using LinkedIn Jobs. And did I mention, by the way, it's free to business owners like me and you. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash freelance. That's linkedin.com slash freelance to post your job for free or click the link in our show description. Terms and conditions apply. You know, working from home is mostly great, but there are some days when I realize I haven't left my house or even my chair like all day. Have you been there? Getting outside to exercise or making a trip to the gym are just harder now that my office is just a flight of stairs away. If you're stuck in the same rut as me, then you should try Hydro. That's H-Y-D-R-O-W. With the Hydro rower and 20 minutes a day, getting a full body workout is so much easier. Hydro can work up to 86% of your muscles in just 20 minutes for an insane effective home workout. That's because Hydro pairs the effectiveness of rowing with the power of technology to connect you with over 5,000 video trainings, classes, and workouts. And get ready to get out from behind your home desk because after a few months of daily rowing with Hydro, your partner's going to want to take you out for a night on the town to show you off. This spring, join the growing rowing community at Hydro. Head over to Hydro.com and use code FREELANCE to save up to $400 off your Hydro. That's H-Y-D-R-O-W.com and promo code freelance to save $400 hydro.com promo code freelance or just click the link in our show description
That part alone is interesting to me, and maybe we'll dive into that a little bit more. I do want to go back uh, in the chronology for just a minute, and I don't want to add drama to this that doesn't exist. So don't let me put any words in your mouth or manufacture a story, but this is a pretty poignant crossroads type of moment it seems like you had um, when your wife is telling you the epiphany that she's having for herself. And as she's saying it, I'm just picturing the words coming out of her mouth and you having this feeling like, uh, I don't want to make this about me, but I'm feeling exactly the same way. Had you had those moments where, again, not to over-dramatize it, but did you have those moments where just driving home from work or on your weekend run or working out, you, you, you had some sort of moments where you're just thinking, something's something's missing um, and I'm not doing what I'm ex- I'm supposed to be doing. Were you having those pull over to the side of the road type of moments yourself where you talk to yourself about something's got to give? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. And like you said, and we we're just talking about her epiphany was meant for her, but it, I mm-hmm. feel like we both realize in hindsight that it was actually for the both of us. Um, and her, it took me, it took me, seeing her have the courage to do something like that to smarten up and to go, okay, it's time to do something. I'm just, I'm sitting on the fence here. Um, and I'm sacrificing my time with my family. The more and more I do this, if I grow my, my full-time job and I grow my freelancing on the side, like all I'm doing is taking away. So I have to sacrifice something and I have to commit. And so I, I would, I'd be driving, I'd be commuting and I'd be listening to, like a podcast, you know, or I'd be, you know, um, not even, even, not even doing that. Like we had a cheap little car that you couldn't plug, you know, the audio into. So I probably would just have my phone playing over on the seat or even just go driving in silence and then just looking around. And as I started realizing, like, I'm going to leave this job, I started enjoying my job again. I started enjoying the process of going to work, serving in my position and doing my best work, knowing that, Hey, like, uh, this is just a step on the journey for what I think I'm meant to do. And instead of me resenting my boss or, you know, like, you know, fire your boss and do all these dramatic things like, no, no, no. Like I'm going to, I'm going to give more and I'm going to do my best work because I know this is temporary. And if I didn't have this, it wouldn't have been that milestone, that step on the journey of me becoming and and, and actually pursuing that calling. So on that point, Brad, I I don't want to be so married to the chronology chronology of the of your backstory that we miss some good lessons here. Do you find that that is common that people shackle themselves for whatever reason, whatever criteria they put in their head of why they can't make a change in life and they need to continue to do things a certain way? Do you find that's pretty common? Oh yeah, I like the uh, the word that you used on shackle. Um, I like to say like unchain yourself from the expectations of the culture, unchain yourself, unshackle yourself. Because for me, I, I know it's dramatic sounding, but you know, I have a theater background, so I'm dramatic by nature. So I, I like that. If I just said like, just pursue this or, you know, do the logical choice for me, it's like, no, like it was, it was an unchaining. It was a, it was an unshackling, um, that, you know, it was like this is meant this metaphor for what it is that you, that I did. And I like, and I see that now when I see it with people, They'll say why they can't do something. And granted, there are people who are in positions that are incredibly unfortunate and I feel for them and and they're in a position that I can only ever imagine how hard it would be to get out of. Doesn't mean I would ignore that person and not try and help them in the best way I possibly can. I, I, 
I try my best to do that. But when it comes to somebody who is in a position where I can kind of see that they're simply afraid, that they feel like they can't do it, that they feel like they don't know how to commit to it, that they're not good enough, their skills aren't good enough, or, oh, you're young when you did that, you know, uh, you know, I've got 15 years on you, I couldn't possibly. Um, and I understand everybody has comes from different backgrounds, but there's common threads. And it usually, for me, what I've recognized in patterns is that they have unbelief in what it is that I that they've been called to do. Because um, because if they didn't have that, the, the very reason they're saying, oh, I couldn't do that, you know, oh, I kind of wish I could do that, or, oh, if only. The reason that they're having that is because they're being called out of that. I think they're being called to just like open the door. Like they think the door is locked, but it's locked from the inside sort of thing. For me, I see that and I go, the reason why you're having the struggle is because you're called to something bigger. It's funny you mentioned this, me, uh, because, and I had not planned on bringing this up at all in this conversation until you're you're, you're driving this home. But uh, many years ago, many years ago, I went through a training program um, through a, a group called Integrity Systems in Phoenix, Arizona, and they talked. It was some of it was sales training, but some of it was also just mentality uh, training in a lot yeah. of ways. And uh, one of the things that, that the leader was trying to drive home was the notion of the importance of being incongruence with yourself where your perspective of what you're doing, what you're offering the world, your product, your service, or whatever it is, your belief in that uh, and its value and your own personal values themselves have to be in congruence. And if they're not in congruence, and this was not some sort of, you know, hyper-spiritual type of training session. I'm not, I'm not suggesting that mm -hmm. at all, but he was suggesting that if you don't really have that alliance with your own values and your own belief in what it is that you're trying to represent, mm -hmm. you will always be fighting yourself. Even if you don't know it, you're either going to be self-handicapping, your, you know, your, your, there's going to be a certain amount of self-handicapping you're doing, yeah. or you're just not going to bring 100% of yourself to the moment because you're going to be fighting against what you believe you should be doing. Yeah. Yes. It sounds like this would, uh, this re would resonate with you yeah. as well. Oh, it's, it's, it's right. It's, it's like that saying. I know it's cheesy, but it's, it's true. Um, whether you believe you can or you can't, you're right. And it's everything that you do is a choice. You're presented with, with something and all of your little tiny decisions compound into the big decisions in the future that when you look back on it, you see the path that got you there and the path that gets you there are those little tiny decisions that are put in front of you. And it's the little yeses. It's the little no's. It's the little, right. I don't believe I could do that. And that break by break. That's what it is. It's, it's those little building yep. blocks. Right. All right. So you are, you've worked out, you've negotiated a wonderful arrangement yep. to, yep. to slowly leave uh, your full-time engagement and turn it into your biggest client while you pursue other opportunities on the side. So you've broken out on your own officially. You are technically a freelancer at that point. Um, I wouldn't call you a founder of a company necessarily yep. yet, although you are self-employed. Yep. Uh, what did you do in addition to that work for that client to drum up work? How did you make a name for yourself doing things on your own now? What was life like? I like to call this, and I, in hindsight, I look back and go, oh, I didn't realize I was doing this. And if I were to do things differently, I would incorporate what how I did it intentionally, but with other methods of growing. What I realized I was doing with that freelancing on the side, and it took me a long, slow process, those years of me in school and then working, doing it on the side, I was doing what I call the barbecue method. I really love barbecue, you know, and barbecuing is different from grilling. My wife always laughs at me or rolls her eyes at me when, when I say, no, 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 they're different. Grilling and barbecuing are vastly different. 
You're a wise man. <laughs> As you would know then, grilling is hot and fast. Barbecuing is low and slow. Right. What I was doing was I was barbecuing my clients. So I was low and slow. And what I mean by that is establishing connections, building rapport, establishing trust, growing my immediate and second network. And I was creating a referral engine that would constantly, and by constantly, I probably mean like each month I could probably expect at least one or two new people who said, so-and-so said you did awesome work for them and I'm starting up my own business and I need you to help me do what you did for them. Right. And I, those people are the easiest to close. All you got to say is, great, here's my invoice. When do, should we get started? So, right. And so there was like no sales. I didn't have to do pitching. It was just, they came saying, can you take me on as a client? And I'd go, yep, sure. <laughs> it works. And I just kept serving and delivering and, and then, you know, barbecuing, which was essentially adding value, seeing them as somebody I could serve for more than just the transaction of the project. And I realized I was doing this and they would trust me. I still get word of mouth clients from my clients years ago going, Hey, hey, so-and-so recommended me the other day. And I, uh, you know what? I thought I'd give you an email and see if you're still doing, you know, uh, development work. And I, st I still get those today from my barbecuing years ago. And so that's why I call it the barbecue method. And so I had this flagship client, I guess you could say my old employer who was sending me serious work. So big projects, big design work, you know, big development stuff, huge problems I had to solve by myself with no other team there to help me with coding issues. So this is where I grew huge um, from a technical ability and also a confidence ability because I went from like $1,000 and $2,000 like projects and websites and feeling like that's asking way too much to booking like five to seven and $8,000 projects that I would complete in like three or four days. And so then I was like, and they're not even batting an eye because I realized what I was doing was adding, I was adding value and I was solving a problem versus just delivering a commodity, which before it was just, okay, it's gonna be $2,000. I'm so sorry. Let me know if there's an issue and I can come down in prices, essentially the method I would take. But then when I started, when they were like, okay, Brad, this is what I need done. It needs to be done by this. They're going to be, we're going to be meeting with them next Tuesday and it's Friday. So can you, can you bang this out over the weekend? Um, how much is that going to take? Just let us know. And they literally, they already signed off on, I don't care what your budget is because I, I knew like their budgets and the, the size of the scale. And I knew the value of what I was adding. So I go, well, I'm going to be working over the weekend. That's me taking away from my family. So, okay, that's going to cost. Um, and I got to work hard to get this done for them. And I got to learn a couple extra new things. So I'm reading a book or I'm taking a little tutorial or something. So I'm going, okay, yeah. And so all this goes in and I go, okay, for me, for me to say that this is a good opportunity, uh, that's going to be 5,500 bucks. Um, and they'll go, sweet, perfect, uh, whatever. Like send me the invoice, we'll take care of it. You know, and here's the files, get started. Before they even accept my proposal, I'm already working on it. And, and so then I started realizing that I had value. What I was offering was valuable in solving a problem versus like, here's like a commodity. And so flagship client who's really helping my confidence, my skills and revenue. Um, so I'm like, okay, I'm doing okay, I got this. And then I get these like referrals you know, pretty regularly. So I'm getting work. That's like, I'm able to book myself out a few weeks and, and, and not really worry about that. And that was essentially the only way I would get clients. So I'm just going to ask, is, does that mean there were certain type of clients in particular that you were best suited for, for you to be able to knock things out that quickly? Mm -hmm. 
suggest that you either had these airtight systems or foundations in place that you could build upon to do something in three or four days, <laughs> or it suggests that the type of clients you would take on were similar enough that the type of work you could you know, leapfrog from this client to this client, and the nature of the work was so similar because the, you attracted uh, similar types of clients or the agency attracted certain type of clients and farm it out to you. Yeah. Which one, how were you able to, to get into this groove like this? A lot of the work was pretty similar. Granted, in terms of niche or industry, like I did think I did like user interfaces for like medical software to like designing a, a landing page for a Hollywood TV show to the the like one week I'd be working on some crazy confidential software interface. And then over here, I'm working on like a movie trailer. And over here, I'm working on like a, a campaign for a large co- car company. What I realized that the through line was a lot of now that I had an agency on my side, other agencies would want me to work for them. Uh, not as an employee, but they go, you're fast and you're good. Uh, I want you to to do this like you've been doing for them. But at the, at the root of it, like I was coding and I was designing a lot of repet- repetition, a lot of systems, a lot of it being in like a, just the same process. So I could start repeating things. I just knew things off my muscle memory. I could cr- be like, okay, the 20% of this starting up this project is already done. So I can bang this out quickly. And then other times just brute force, just like fingers on fire type coding. Right. What did that, what did that do for you in terms of like, like there's a point at which these wheels are turning in your mind of the lessons that you're learning. Um, I'm, I'm wanting to kind of evolve your story because what I'm seeing here is that you're having these experiences that are not only opening doors for you from a revenue standpoint, do some one-off work, that sort of thing, project work. But at some point in time, the wheels must have started to turn in your mind that, am I the only person that is learning these lessons? <laughs> because you went from doing the work to teaching people how to do the work. So there's a some point in time where the wheels start turning in your mind that I, my own life, my own career, my own uh, income can evolve here. And I think there might be some wisdom or lessons learned that I can pass on to other people. And whether that's in how to run a business as a freelancer differently, or it's in the practical talents, because that's a lot of what your Udemy stuff is, is the practical skills, right? The actual hands-on skills. Something turned, something changed in your mind. What and when did that change happen? Yes, good question. Um, So I'm freelancing, now I'm two months in. It seems like the two-month thing is like a theme here. Two months into me working, doing my schoolwork, I realized I can freelance. Two months into me going full-time, so now this is me like, you know, iceberg under the, like just the tip of the iceberg is me going full-time. A lot of people go, they get hung up on the whole, when did you go full-time? How do you go full-time? I was like, you don't see what it is that I did to get there. Not saying that that process can't be shrunk and and if made efficient because I, I didn't go in initially to go full-time. So I had all this foundation work that I was doing for a couple of years prior. <clears throat> Two months into going full-time, uh, there was a month where um, <clears throat> my total income was $708 from client work. Even with like a, 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 an eightplex condo unit that we were renting with like a m- modest rent, it was like n- definitely not enough. And so, you know, p- previous months when I'd have like a really good like month, you know, I could, you could save up a bit and go, no, it's fine. We're not going to be out like out of house or anything like that. Right. We're going to be able to put food on the table. But for me, it was like, that's not okay. I just moved away from the big city. I just said 
I'm done with this like full-time thing. For me, when I quit that job, it wasn't me saying, I'm going to quit this job and I'm going to give this a go. It was me saying, and that is the end of that story. And I moved on. It was like, it wasn't this like one foot in the door, one foot out. Like I wasn't like, you know, straddling the fence sort of thing. Yes. You literally turn the page. That chapter's over. New chapter begins. Exactly. And so I, I went, okay, now what? Because we'll be fine this month and maybe next month I can see I got a couple invoices coming in, but what the heck am I going to do if that happens again? And like, I'm just, at the, I'm just at the beginning, like, and I have a baby coming in two, three months at that, at that point. No, it was probably six months from that point. It's like, I got six months to figure this out. Like, this isn't going to be okay moving forward. I'm talking years ahead if I want to do this for real. And so <clears throat> I, I, I was in a little bit of a kind of a funk. And so this is where the third, I told, told you that there's like a tripping into, you know, stumbling into something. And it was because I think like Laura actually pushed me into stumbling into it is probably what it was. So what she did was she said, I was telling her, I was like, okay, I'm, I'm committing to doing this, working for myself, having my own business, freelancing full-time, but we need some regular income and I don't want to go work at a job or Joe job or anything like that. Like something's got to change or get better. I don't know. And so aside from the obvious, like sticking into what you know, being like, okay, just like go into those job websites, go to crop.com, go to authentic jobs and apply for a bunch of jobs and contract type stuff. And sure, did that stuff. You get a thing here and there. Fine. Cool. But you're spending all your time chasing down those listings and then looking at that. And I was like, okay, um, high competition because everyone over the world is looking at those jobs. And so she said, why don't you like rent out a space at the university and like teach a web design workshop, teach people how to become coders or something like that. You know, like just walk in, go to the office and uh, see what it would cost to rent out a workshop, maybe or a space, maybe they can give it to you for free. We knew some people who worked there and some friends who were going there. Maybe we could, you know, get a space. And so I'm like, okay, I really like this idea. But then the business mind of mine, I've always had this entrepreneurial mind where I'm like, how can I monetize this? How can I, how can that grow? And I've always had that ever since a child. Um, even if it's just selling CDs of music that I recorded with my band or being an ice cream, like, um, bicycle driver when I was like a teenager and thinking like thinking a different, in different ways and how can I monetize this? And so that brain kicked in and I went, I like that idea, but even if I was able to get like 15 people in that room and I charged them like a hundred bucks, I was like, how many times can I do that? And then I'm going to have to be away and that's a lot of work. And like, I just, I, it's a ceiling. It, yeah. It's still manual. Yes. It still requires your presence for a period of time. It's still billing for your yep. time, so to speak, and your expertise. It's nothing, nothing that can start to run. Exactly. On time, right? Exactly. So then I thought there's got to be a way to do exactly what you're saying I should do, but in a, like a way, I don't know, online, the internet's a thing. We're making a living off the internet. Essentially, maybe I can teach that online. Quick Google search at the time, I find udemy.com. And kind of, you know, the, the rest is history at that point, but I can get into like, this is why it happened. So I go, well, what do I know? What can I teach? You know, it wasn't born out of, okay, I've got all these business skills. I'm a freelancer figuring this out. And how do I, you know, how do you, how do you make a business out of client work? It was, I, I know how to do what I, I code sites all day, every day. I design, 
Um, I'm good at designing. I'm good at user experience. I got all these skills, these hard skills that I know. Let's uh, teach that. So I, I created a course called PSD to HTML5 and CSS3. It was the first course I ever made. And it was me mumbling quietly on the microphone, embarrassingly in one whole take, all ums and ahs and paper. I printed out code so I can look at it while I was talking on the screen. And it was so embarrassing, but it was, I created it in like two weeks, launched it January 1st, 2013 and on Udemy. And then like it got picked up a little bit. I made a couple hundred bucks and I woke up. It was the first time that sales started happening. I opened up my phone and I saw you just made a sale of PSC and HTML5, you know, congratulations. And it was like, like 39, 39 bucks a course. Bucks. Well, we're yeah. talking the cheap, cheap stuff, cheap, right? Cheap. Yeah, you know, yeah. and, and you know, they, that's when they started running promos for like 20 bucks and stuff. So I get like a $20 sale, and, but they started coming in and coming in and I get 10 sales and then I get 12 sales the next month and I get, you know, 25 and then I get a hundred and then it started, it started growing and growing. And then those students now were like, Hey, I want you to teach me how to do this. And I go, all right, well, let's teach you how to do that. And then another course comes out and I'm just teaching all the skills I know when it comes to web design, development design. And Udemy tells me today you're at 403,000 students, which is, that's, that's metric number one. That's astounding to me. (laughs) However, I think what, what metric number two, that's astounding to me, maybe even more astounding is 40,955 reviews suggesting that one out of every 10 of your customers, uh, your students have reviewed the course, which that's got to be, that's got to be unprecedented as well. Your, your, your Udemy prodigy or, or uh, your prodigious on Udemy, let's put it that way. Um, what have you learned since that first $39 course that picked up a few hundred dollars in the first few days? What have you learned since then that ha- that generated that incredible path, yeah. that incredible sort of journey? Yeah. Oh, a ton uh, in really dramatic swings. Like, no, like I'm not talking incremental, you know, um, aha moments or maybe an aha moment isn't incremental. Those are kind of big swings. So like, I'm not talking incremental, like, Ooh, I learned this little tip or this little thing. I'm talking like emotional swings of, Oh my gosh, what's happening to, Oh my gosh, like this is bad, like all over the map. And so what would be an example of that? So give me, give me an example of one of the highs and and an example of one of the lows. One of the highs was steady growth every month, steady growth every month. I add a new course. I'm like, great, this is supplementing income. I'm paying for gas. I'm paying for groceries and gas. I'm paying for our rent, groceries and gas. I'm paying for all of it and savings and client work is coming in. And I'm like, okay, this is all incremental. So it's like, I'm expecting, it's growing, it's growing. I'm pretty happy, pretty happy. But then Udemy started noticing all these students gathering and buying my courses. And so they, okay, let's put more advertising at this, these courses. This guy knows what he's doing. I'm different in the sense that, and I didn't know I was doing this, like, but my differentiating factor was coding and web design tutorials are so bad and they're so boring. And nowadays you're going to get better tutorials because people realize, hey, this is a good market. So you get people who are good on camera or you teach them how to be good. But I was just like, I'm theater background. I'm watching, I fall asleep watching web design tutorials 
because people are like, boom, you're going to open the database and blah, blah, blah. And so I was like, all I have to do is just be myself and people will either love it or hate it. And that's exactly what happened. And so it started to grow. Udemy goes, I like this. We're going to get put more resources towards that. So I'm getting more students. I'm getting more traffic. I'm getting more course sales. And so more demand. And I'm growing, adding more courses, adding, doing support and all this sort of stuff. The, those wide swings I'm talking about is where Udemy then contacts me and goes, okay, we want to assign you like an account manager so that we can talk to you and give you some direction so that you make right choices so that you're not just like throwing random stuff up. We want to give you some direction now that, you know, you're clearly, you got something happening. And so I go, oh my gosh, wow, I got like a personal person at Udemy. I mean, that person is probably assigned to like a hundred other people as well, but I felt pretty- VIP treatment. Feeling VIP. I got I got a guy at Udemy. That's like what it felt like. Um, and so they said, we're going to run a promotion on- stacksocial.com. There's going to be a big bundle. It's going to be a bundle of courses of a bunch of tech programming design courses. And we want you to be a part of it. And so then I'm like, okay, sure. That sounds, what's the catch? You know, it's like, well, the catch is, you know, it's going to be sold for the bundles sold, sold for like a hundred, 200 bucks. But then your revenue share that you get is like, two bucks a course or something like that. And I'm like, oh, wow, how bad? What a terrible offer you're making. And then they go, but we anticipate that it's going to sell thousands of units because we've got a huge campaign behind it. And we wouldn't be doing this if we didn't think it was profitable. And so that was like at the beginning of them doing what they do all the time. You see bundles everywhere now. Like there's websites and companies built on bundling courses. And so this was like a cutting edge new idea, I think. And so I got to be a part of this. And when the day came where the payout happened, like two months after, like it, like it exploded. And then I have tens of thousands of students coming my way now on top of just the, the steady growth before. That was for me when I, when I told Laura, I was like, this is what's happening. I don't know what's happening. I've never seen this sort of thing before. What do I do? Like, this is amazing and terrifying. And Laura, I, who's been your great advocate and your and your business uh, idea generator in years past, you're kind of going to her now and saying, "Hey, uh, I need to know some more tips on how to capitalize yeah, on this." You're giving me these <laughs> tips where it's like these like these like moments of like, do this, and I go, "Okay, I'm like a doer." Laura, Laura has she like she's like, "Okay, this is what I'm thinking," and I go, "All right, give me the steps, and I'll make it happen, and I'll crush it." But like in terms of like coming up with some some pivotal moment, like that's her. And I'll do it. Like, tell me to do this and I'll do it the best you've ever seen. That's like how we kind of work. Um, and so I was like, what do we do? And I was like, this is amazing. And I'm freaked out and so pumped and scared was one of those confidence moments where I go, this business of teaching what you know, of serving people in a way and giving them and enabling them to do something that they never thought possible is really rewarding. Like I was just so happy that one person bought and was like, I built my first website. Look at how beautiful it is. I was a terrible designer before <laughs> and you've changed me. And I'm like, that's amazing. I could have cut and run there and just been like the happiest guy in in that moment. But then now there's like, I'm like, there's, there's a market in this. There's a business in this. So you've gone from, um, it's amazing how these paths take. If you would go back to that child who wanted to be an actor at one point in time, 
Um, and we've had other actors on, by the way, who've had the same similar transfer transformation very recently. In fact, Michael Port was on. Uh, oh, I love Michael Port. Yeah. Talking about his own sort of transition from uh, the acting world and why he wanted to get away from that world. But he had the same aspirations and actually pursued it yes. as well. But like you think about back to that Brad Hussey from many, many years ago and what you're doing today. Clearly, you wouldn't have pictured it because you had something else in mind for yourself. But in a lot of ways, have you not come full circle? In some ways, um, oh. you are an en- you are an educator foremost. But what sets you apart is that you can add a, a personal element to it that makes I don't want to say it makes you an entertainer as well, but adds a, a at least a persona to it. So it's not just a hard and fast how to practical educator. There's a flair to it, and that's how you differentiate yourself with it. Um, would you would you say that you're you're the younger Brad Hussey and your parents would be proud of you today of being able to, to dovetail those that those interests? Yes, uh, that's so cool that you that you say that because, like they say, hindsight is twenty twenty. I thought I was become I was going to be an actor so that I can go to Broadway so that I could sing, dance, and act. I loved all these things, and like that for me was like okay, I'm going to theater school, doing musicals, and I'm. Broadway bound baby. And so that was like kind of what I was thinking and realized, you know, a story for another time, you know, that's, um, that wasn't going to work out. And, and the actually pre pivotal moment was Laura again, when I met Laura was at theater school and she said, by the way, Brad, I'm not going to marry an actor. And in that moment I decided (laughs) I'd never be an actor. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and so, oh, how the women in our lives sometimes change gears for us. <laughs> totally. But when I look back, I go, yeah, these were good pivotal moments. So I'm, I'm going to take you real seriously as I have always trusted. So, so freelancing, freelancing freedom is a, an important part of your life today. And the Udemy classes continue on. I think you've got 10 or 12 uh, or so classes that are still live and uh, and uh, and kicking right now. Not that you don't have others that you'll probably create as well, but freelancing freedom is a big part of your passion today. And it's I think what's cool about it is it's teaching people how to think about. I don't want to say in an e myth way, but how to think about their offering in a little bit more holistic way, as opposed to just doing the work. It's how to think about your work so that you can bring your best and it can bring out the best in you. That's right. I I, I believe that everybody was created for something. Brad, before I let you go, this was incredible and uh, revealing in many ways that I did not anticipate coming into it as far as what little nuggets of wisdom would come from it. So um, I'll say thank you, but I won't say goodbye just yet. Before I let you go, though, I told you that I was going to be throwing at you three somewhat rapid-fire questions that would give you a chance to maybe just sort of summarize some of your wisdom learned along the way. And we'll close with your answer to what we call our three-in-one question. All right, question number one. I need one principle or value that you believe or live by that most people don't. You were created for a purpose. The closer you can get to that, the happier you and everyone else will be. That's a home run right there. Answer, by the way. (laughs) Well done. (laughs) All right. One behavior or habit that you try to stick to no matter what. Selflessness. I'm really bad at it sometimes, but that's, that's that's a center. That's a guiding light. That's a good one. And then lastly, one person you most admire that you take your cues from in, in life or 
would most like to uh, aspire to be like? Hmm. I'm going to say my wife. It's kind of obvious throughout the throughout the, the talk, and I could choose a handful of other you know models and people that I can aspire to, but I'm going to give glory to my wife and that she's put on my path because if I didn't have her, then uh, I don't know where I'd be. Wow, Brad. Well done. Thanks for joining me, friend. Thank you so much. That was the story of Brad Hussey, founder of freelancingfreedom.com, superstar educator of udemy.com, and proud husband to Laura. Check out our show notes for links to his work and stay tuned for next week as we bring you the story of Ben Tossel, a Brit who can't code, but has never let that stop him from pushing deep into the six figures, building software solutions for others and opening up a no-code marketplace and educational platform as well. Listen, if you enjoyed this episode, give us your rating or review on Apple Podcasts, please, or wherever you enjoy your podcast for that matter, and tell a friend or two or three. Recommend us, mention us, and reach out to me on Twitter at Brandon Hull. All right, a thank you to my co-producer, Preston Lee, founder of Millo and admin of the Millo Mastermind community on Facebook, as well as Bilal Abrar, who helped put the research together and prepare this episode. And a special thank you to the Podglomerate Network. Thanks for listening, everybody. We'll catch you next week on Freelance to Founder. The Podglomerate. A sonic universe.